Good morning, Form 3s. Welcome to today's lesson. Back to the podcast, hey? Right, so I just thought you might benefit from a full explanation as opposed to me just sending you notes, okay? Right, so as I promised, we will not be having a Zoom lesson today, but I hope that using this information that I am providing for you, you will be able to organize yourself and complete today's lesson. Right, so we're beginning our topic. We are going into the grind. We are starting our O-level syllabus. Right, so our first topic is the peace treaties. Now, you will need a textbook for this area of study. You were told which book to buy, 20th Century History for IGCSE by Ben Walsh. If you do not have that textbook, please go to our online library, the one that is called History Resources. That book is available as, as an ebook. Okay, right, so we are on page two. And on page two, it's a basic introduction to the whole study of the peace treaties. What are the peace treaties really? Right, these are a series of settlements or agreements or contracts that were signed between the victorious powers and the defeated ones. And the main essence of these treaties was for the defeated powers to accept that they had been in the wrong during World War I and they were accepting the blame for the war. We talked about this, you remember, we said now that World War I was over, someone had to be made accountable, someone had to be made to pay, right? And unfortunately for the defeated powers, Germany, Austria-Hungary, Turkey and Bulgaria, they had to carry all the blame. So you will find that there are some things about these contracts or treaties that were signed with defeated powers that are not exactly nice or fair. Uh, these countries were blamed outright for the whole process of World War I, which I think is, is, is taking it a little too far. Right, but we'll get into that a bit later on. Today, our focus is trying to understand the kind of task that lay ahead for the victorious powers, right? Yes, they have won the war, but there's so many problems that are right in front of them and waiting for them to resolve. And these problems were enormous. They could not be resolved by one country only. They had to be resolved through joint effort. You can already see that there were going to be problems because firstly, you have countries like USA. USA is not in Europe. And if the way of the future is that countries must join together to prevent a future world war, then USA is going to be in trouble because they are not in Europe. Do they want to be dragged into European affairs that possibly could lead to a future world war? You see, so the whole concept of working together was already a problem right from the start. Then you have countries like Britain that had been in splendid isolation before World War I. Do they really want to come out of that isolation and risk also being dragged into the financial, economic, and political burden of being joined with European countries? Right, so you'll find as we go along, 
yes, the peace treaties were being signed and they were talking about a better world and a better future for tomorrow, but each country had to consider their own position and how these settlements would affect them. Right, so you will come across some characters like Woodrow Wilson, uh, like David Lloyd George and uh, George Clemenceau. These are some of the statesmen who were present, um, you know, just basically running the show and being the ones to organize the settlements and then hand over the contracts to the defeated powers. Right, so just going back to the introduction uh, of the entire topic, we are talking about the problems that these victorious powers had to resolve, right? And these problems, as we have said, were enormous, right? So I have sent you notes and these notes are divided into three categories. You should know what the political problems were, what the economic ones were, and what the social ones were. Remember, these problems are not just relating to individual countries, but they're general problems facing the whole of Europe. Because as we said, the war destroyed all of Europe. The Europe that we knew before did not exist after 1918 when the war ended. Right, so politically there was a lot of division and distrust between those who won the war and those who were defeated. Uh, the victorious powers felt that um, Germany and her allies had to be made accountable for having started the war. And going into the future, they were not certain that Germany would not do this thing again. The concept of forgive and forget at this point was very, very difficult. Right. So you see, even going into the future, they had to find a solution that would weaken Germany and prevent this disaster from ever happening again. There were so many problems, so many people who died from the war, others who got hurt, others who were displaced and lost their homes. These people needed to be repatriated back to their original countries. Who was going to carry the burden? Who was going to pay for their transportation? You know, who was going to care for them and provide food and shelter and clothing, right? the whole map of Europe was destroyed by the war. You couldn't say, this is Germany, Germany begins here and it ends here. It means the whole map of Europe had to be redrawn. And the question of boundaries was a very thorny issue, a very sensitive one, because you know, as they are redrawing the map, some countries have to be punished and made smaller and others made bigger. So this was a very, very huge task ahead of them, you know, almost impossible because in a situation like that, not everyone will be satisfied that that's a definite outcome because you are redrawing boundaries that previously existed. And obviously, uh, as the war ended, so many citizens were unhappy with their governments. We saw this, um, you know, um, in Germany, Kaiser William abdicated. There were riots and protests after he abdicated. Uh, in Russia, it was the same. Tsar Nicholas was overthrown from his high seat from power because citizens were fed up with his rule. His rule basically reached 
the highest point of its deterioration during World War I. That is the period when the citizens of Russia really saw the inefficiency of their king and he was removed through violent protests. Right, so this thing also happened uh, in Turkey, I believe. So many governments collapsed. And if you are saying we're making a peace settlement moving ahead and these countries have no leaders, it is a future problem. So you understand why we're saying this was an insurmountable task. Right, then we also have economic problems. The economic problems are a bit straightforward. Um, you have issues like bankruptcy. All the countries were basically broke. They had no money. Uh, the industries had not only closed, they had been destroyed, bombed, and leveled to the ground. Countries had not been producing food for four years. They had been producing weapons and arms. And now you don't need all those soldiers anymore. You don't need all those guns because the war has ended. So many people lost their jobs. They had to go home and they had no future. There was inflation because the general collapse of economies caused international inflation. Then you have social problems like high crime rate. It is because of the low standards of living, the fact that people were now poor, they had no means of survival, they then resorted to crime. And all the problems associated with poverty, they, uh, prostitution, drug abuse, corruption, all those things emerged. Right, and you are saying the victorious powers are trying to rebuild Europe, but it's not just about rebuilding the infrastructure. It's about rebuilding the citizens and giving them hope, changing their perspectives, putting them back in the factories and industries, helping them to trust their governments and trust the system. This was a very, very big task ahead of them. Right, so in the notes there, I have indicated that there were six different treaties that were signed with defeated countries, right? The most significant being the Treaty of Versailles, the one signed with Germany, because remember we said Germany was viewed as the main instigator of World War I. Therefore, the punishment for Germany had to be serious. Right, so we're going to study these treaties in detail. And as we study them, I need you to look very carefully at the things that you would deem as fair and the things that you would deem as unfair. Right, look at all the clauses of the treaties, the terms of each of these treaties. To what extent did Germany actually deserve this kind of treatment? Right, so uh, please take the, the, the notes that I have attached here on Google Classroom and then write them out, uh, you know, copy them out as you wish. You know I like your notes to be colorful. If you are able to draw one of those cartoons, that, that would be nice really because the cartoons are helping us to zero in and narrow in on the kind of problems ahead. You can see in the first uh, cartoon that the cartoon is, is just amazed. Like what, how are we going to solve these huge problems? And then the second cartoon shows a judge, right? But the judge has a very sinister look on his face and he is pointing a finger of blame probably towards the defeated powers.
Now, if these countries entered these meetings with such an attitude that they want to blame, then how much confidence do we have that the treaties that they were going to sign and propose were going to be fair? Right, so I think that is that. If there is anything that you do not understand, you can, you know, text me on WhatsApp and I will try to help, okay? Right, so for today, that is it. Take care and bye-bye.